Listener Production. Hi, this is Charles Fairley. Welcome back to Unsung Business Heroes, where we talk to small business about big ideas. Today we're going to hear from Michelle Ivanov, the owner of Supra Finance. Michelle had a really interesting life, had a tough childhood where she was quite introverted and bullied as a kid, but she feels that's made her into a very direct adult and she sees that as a strength of hers. She learnt lots of lessons from working in male-dominated industries like car yards and we're going to pick up some really great gems here from her today. Here's Michelle. Have a listen. My name is Michelle Ivanov. I've had my own business super finance for just under 10 years. I'm married with two beautiful children, daughter who's eight and my son who's five. Been in this office for two years after working for home for many years. And I love what I do being a broker every day. So what sort of deals do you do? So we've tried to position the business really differently. When I say we, I, I take a lot of input from my team as to what they need. I started off primarily in the car finance space when I was employed by other companies. Learned car finance, moved into mortgages, and when I started my own business after being made redundant, I chose to model my business a little bit differently because there was only one person who was a mortgage broker or one person who was a, a car finance broker. So. Ten years ago, I decided to do as many different types of finance as I could and learn them to the best of my ability. So being retrenched must have been a bit of a shock? It was, yeah. I was about to have my own team built underneath me for GE, so yeah. And so you picked yourself back up and decided to go out on your own? Yeah, so the GFC hit us pretty hard. Um, 400 of us made redundant in the same day. 400? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. In 2008, was it? Correct. November 2008. Wow. Mm-hmm. God, you must have felt devastated. I actually didn't even see it coming, so I'd completely blindsided. Mm, yeah. You've worked in the industry for 20-odd years? 23 years. Um, I started when I left school when I was 14. Hated school. <laughs> didn't fit into the whole science and curriculum, so left school. My mum gave me a week to, to find a job, otherwise I had to go back to school. My daughter's 14, so I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And where, um, where did you find work? So I got a job, my mum worked in law for many years, so I actually went into a law firm for an interview as a junior. Yep. My first job was running around to land titles office, stamp duties, um, mortgage settlements, so everything I do now actually really has a deeper understanding because of what I did 23 years ago. Yeah, mm. wow, what yeah. a good grounding. Fantastic starting point that I realise now was so integral to my business now. So. And your mum still works with you a bit these days? My mum actually works with me now, so yeah, yeah, she does all the contract, I suppose like a conveyancer, an in-house conveyancer. Mm. That must be nice. It's different. I'm sure it's got its challenges. (laughs) She's a very different personality to me. Is she? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, People normally meet my mum and look at me and go, your mum's lovely, what happened to you? And I go, so (laughs) she's very, uh, very business educated, you know, business school, you know, I suppose, um, politically correct and, yep. Mm-hmm. And you were saying you're a bit the opposite, but you're a bit more people focused, would you say? Look, I've been through a lot of, I suppose, um, years being the only female in a male dominated industry, especially in the car finance industry. Sure. I think as a female, if you've got the tenacity to deal with that kind of banter, you become a certain way that you can deal with any kind of remarks and, you know, I, I suppose any environment. So my mum's been sort of more the business, you know, professional side, whereas I was more the dealing with a bunch of sales guys. So, 
Mitchell okay. learned to sink or swim pretty fast and be better than them at everything they did and learn to deal with the comments, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to be more PC these days, but there's still a massive um, way to go in that space, isn't it? I think political correctness has changed a lot from what it used to be. Yeah, a lot, but yeah. not. It's, it still hasn't finished the, the job, has it? I think it needs to go back to where everyone's a little bit more relaxed about you know, mucking around and business and things like that, like they used to be. If you work in a car yard, you learn very quickly that there's no holds barred in terms of what someone's saying. So I imagine you'd stand up for yourself. I do, definitely. So I've been you know, criticised a lot in business the way I do things, but the way that I do things, I, I believe, works for my clients. Yep. Um, I think they want a direct approach with no you know, pretty edges. So if they yep. can't do what they need to do, I tell them they can't do what they need to do. Um, I'd rather a quick no than a, a slow, you know, yes. drawn out answer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the clients appreciate that? Look, I don't think everyone does. I think some clients just want what they want and they're not ready to hear the correct information. Uh, I think that 90% of my clients actually like the direct approach that I give them because at least they know that there's nothing in between that's going to, you know, be fudged. So I think doing the direct approach works very well for me. At least I know that I'm doing my due diligence really, really well. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why do you think you're so direct with people? Is it something in your background or? Um, I think my upbringing, yeah. So I, um, my parents worked very hard, um, learned to fend for myself. With school especially, used to come home by myself and you know, you know deal with, I suppose, the, the, the bullying that went on at school. So I think that's made me who I am now and it's made me very strong and I suppose able to say how I feel. And I don't hold back. I, I held back for a long time. Um, I was very introverted when I was a kid. So I'm completely the opposite now. So, yeah, I like to stand up and say what should be said. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you have older brothers or sisters? No, just me. Yeah? Just me. I can mm -hmm. imagine coming yeah. home on your own and mm -hmm. had a hard day at school. Yeah, but I learned to deal with it and I think it's, it's sort of moulded my attitude now and especially having kids as well who've been through it too. So nowhere near to the same degree what I went through in high school but primary school kids, so, yeah. yeah. It must be hard juggling being a mother and a business owner. It is hard, yeah. So um, I have my husband runs a trucking company, so it's 4.30am starts. He's normally home with the kids in the afternoon. Oh, that helps. Um, it does, and my parents now live with us. My father wasn't well, so they moved in with us in a granny flat. And you told me last time that you bought a house when you were 18. but you I did. You lost some of that asset? Uh, actually, my first, the culmination, I suppose, of everything that happened to me with why I became a broker was quite interesting. So... When I first went in to try and get a home loan when I was 18, I'd worked for, you know, four years and saved up and talked to my dad about buying a property. And uh, every bank I went to couldn't understand that I had no husband right. to buy a house with. Wow. So a lot of my central focus these days is women who want to invest, women who want to be supported with buying properties and portfolios and going to auctions and going to car, car yards and, and dealing with the men because people couldn't understand even 20 years ago that a woman could buy a house on her own. So yeah, that 20 age years, it's, it's, it's changed a lot. So but You were so young as well at yep. 18. Mm -hmm. And what happened with that property that caused you to lose the, the asset? GFC. Ah, of course. Yeah, so unfortunately with the GFC, I spent many, many years jumping on planes three weeks out of the month, single, going here, there and everywhere, training finance and dealerships. Ah. Um, didn't save a lot, <laughs> so no. had, had mortgages, but um, didn't save a lot around that. So ended up downsizing a lot of my properties and short selling a lot because a lot of the values went down, which is what we're seeing right now. And so I'm warning my clients to be a bit more conservative right now. So yeah, mm. sure. So they were Sydney residential properties. They were Sydney, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. 
That's if weird. I had them now, they would have gone up massively in value, though. So, mm, yes. I regret selling a few of them. I said to my husband, like, I would not know what I would want to do as a job if the GFC happened again. Like, there is nothing else that I would possibly want to do. And so I said to my husband, I, I actually would not know what I would do as a career if the GFC happened again and the finance industry changed where I, I lost my business. I wouldn't know what to do. If I think about becoming an accountant, I think that'd be, you know, completely not me. Or if I think about going back to school and studying something else, I wouldn't want to learn it. The amount of time I spend now reading the policy manuals and reading what's happening in the media and what the banking changes are, it, it almost excites me, I suppose, to know that the product knowledge I have, my staff come to me and I said, they're being mentored and they ask me something and the comments that come from them, how does your brain hold all the information? I don't know how it does. <laughs> I can read the bank changes and, and I know that the questions the clients ask me and I know what they want out of me as a broker. I've had clients ask me, what makes me better than anybody else? And I turn around and say, well, you're a hairdresser. What makes you better than budget cuts down the road? You know, because you take the time and the attention to do something enough times, it's ingrained in your mind as to how to approach every type of client in every sort of situation. So I've had clients at the point of, bankruptcy. I've had clients to the point with defaults. How do we get rid of them? These, these are questions that I get asked regularly. And I think actually being able to get somebody to a point where they are happy with their life and, and comfortable in paying it is why I do this job. And that's why I said if there was something else I had to do, I don't think there's something that could help people the way that I do now. Do you have a lot of social media interaction, especially with um, LinkedIn? I do, yes. I became uh, somewhat, I suppose, more exposed than what I was expecting from a post I wrote a couple of years ago. Right. Mm. What happened there? Direct approach comes out again. Um, <laughs> so I, I've got a, a fairly diverse team and, and obviously that changes with brokers and, and admin stuff. I do run yeah, my business quite full on. Sure. I had a young guy come for an interview and I hadn't had a lot of younger staff. Um, had sort of, you know, I suppose, similar to my age, the mid-30s and upwards were more of my staff young guy came in for an interview and just thought he was going to get a $100,000 income straight off the bat with no qualifications and sat there with his hat on and playing on his phones for the entire interview. And I called him out on it. And he basically said that I'd missed my opportunity to get the next thing since sliced bread in terms of a broker. So, Goodness me. Um, so I wrote a post because I was just infuriated that this kid thought after three weeks of, you know, looking to finance, he thought he could just wrangle a really high salary. And tried to explain to him how you have to go up the corporate ladder and I think that really doesn't exist anymore. And I wrote a really long ranting post about how absolutely pissed off I was. And, um, and thousands and thousands of people, I didn't even know, I'd only added people I knew on LinkedIn, no one I didn't know. And I had about 200 people on there that I dealt with in business and um, thousands of people just commented that they were with me and that there was no work ethic anymore. You know, these people wanted everything handed to them on mm. a platter. You touched the, the point. And the other mm. side was, you're a cold and, you know, old bitter business owner, you need to adapt. And I actually took the approach of responding to everybody on there who criticised me. And I think it was really eye-opening to actually go back and, and say what I felt at these people. And I, I upset a lot of people and then gained a whole massive, you know, I suppose, network of people I didn't know because of it. So, yep. yeah. I had friend requests coming through left, right and centre and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know why I should add all these people. They're all from over the world. I don't know them. So I'd never been on social media like that. I had Facebook, which was just family and that was it. So Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's a whole new world, I think, just learning that, that side of, of promoting yourself as a business person, not so much your business brand. So. Yeah, well, your personal 
brand is very powerful. It is, and I didn't know how actually powerful it was, so I didn't even know what an influencer was back then. So. Sure. Mm. I can yeah. see that you're having a big impact on the market because you've come out and a lot of people support what you say, but maybe they're afraid to say it. A lot of people don't. A lot of people have tried to bully me on social media, and, and I welcome them to try it because it doesn't upset me now. It actually makes me go back at them even harder and question why they think they have the right to be like that. And this business, you don't like what I'm saying, that's fine, you don't have to deal with me, but I think it's very important to, to own your convictions and say, okay, this is me, yep. this is how, why I am how I am. Sure. I've become a very strong personality and like it's because of what I've been through in the past. So it's everything that happens, you can either let, you can be a victim or you can actually let it mould you into a stronger person. So I think there should be more women who stand up and say, no, this is how I am and if you like it, you can deal with me. If you don't, on your way. So I used to love going to car yards because you had a bunch of guys trying to, you know, give you pickup lines to get you to sell, to, to sell a car. And I learned how to sell cars the same way to blokes. And I thought it was hysterical. So I get guys who say they want to speak to a salesman and I say, well, I'm a saleswoman, can I help you? Their response would always be, well, like, you know, you're, you're a chick, what do you know? <laughs> you want to talk about five-cylinder V8s, I'm all up for it, let's go. And they, oh, hang on. Pardon the pun, but that probably revved you right up, I'm sure. It did, actually. It did rev me right up. So um, I raced cars for many years. So Really? Yeah, my husband and I built drag cars for a long time as friends together. So wow. hence the reason I drive twin turbo cars now and I can't drive a standard car. So, <laughs> mm. Good fun. It was, and that's my love of cars and the car finance came from what I did for years going to Eastern Creek. So... So yeah. taking, taking the criticism the right way or the wrong mm -hmm. way is all about resilience and having a different attitude, maybe? Look, I let it go the wrong way for many years. Yep. I did. Sure. I said I went from being a, a really fat kid and being picked on because of it to going completely opposite and finding that people were really shallow based on the way you looked. So these days I couldn't care if someone likes how I look or not. If they want professional advice, that's why I'm, I'm doing my business. So, you know. What did you learn from the bullying at school? Um, I spent a lot of years hiding away from people um, and putting on a front of who I wasn't. Um, I thought being what other people wanted was a way to obviously make friends and, and impress people. Um, I think all it did was make me depressed and I went through a massive change when I lost all my friends because I became me. And these days I'm not here to impress people, I'm here to ensure that my clients looked after. And I think the bullying, no matter what someone throws at me now, I've heard it all before. For me, it doesn't doesn't phase me at all. Yep. Um, it's water off a duck's back. Many people have called me certain names under the sun because of how I approach things, and obviously my direct approach. Someone can have a, a funny comment, and I can go back with a really direct one. They don't like that, especially from females as well. And I think men, in some I suppose levels, really deal with that directness, and, and that a woman's very strong-minded. Nothing gets me down now. I try to obviously build my clients to say, look, no matter what happens come to me and I'll help you because don't hide away, don't put on a front for who you are, tell me the truth and I'm happy to help you. I think that's really what's taken from it. So I've gone through with my daughter now who's been bullied in school. Really? Yep, eight years old, being picked on for being fat and she's like a rake. Goodness. And I've told her my story and I think it's the first time I'd cried in about 10 years. Wow. I told her what had happened to me and I showed her photos of me and I said, fat, skinny, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Treat people the right way, and whether they like you or not, it doesn't matter, at least I know you're honest. And I think that was the biggest thing that she took away from it, when she put her head held high and went back in the school and laughed at the girls picking on her. Stopped right there. Fantastic. Just laughed in her face. Showed that it didn't, didn't face her. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing I took from that, is saying, 
I stand up now and I don't care what someone throws at me, I can deal with it, so. Yeah, well. Mm -hmm. But it took you going through that to learn that lesson, didn't it? It took me losing all the weight and thinking that being thin was the way to, you know, to have friends because you go from one opposite to another and, and, and I learnt very, very quickly what that does to your self-esteem, so, yeah. So do you think it's you're proving the, the critics wrong, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, definitely. That's why you're so driven? I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm here to do what I love doing. And if people want that kind of attitude and that approach, well, I'm happy to go with them to an auction. I'm happy to tell them how it works and, and what the, the tricks are so they're not getting dudded. I think that's the biggest thing. People get ripped off all the time. I've been ripped off before, you know, so I, I hate that feeling and I hate, you know, clients thinking that they're being told one thing, it's not the case. I'm yeah. happy to sit there and show them why I'm saying what I'm saying, so. Yeah, there are mm. people out there that do uh, abuse the situation, yeah, especially, brokers, if, yeah. especially if English is a second language. Mm -hmm. Especially in this area, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How do you cope if someone doesn't have good English? Do you have people in the office that can yeah. help you with that? Yeah, so we have a, a team that speaks 17 different languages, so it does wow. cater to, this is a massive multicultural demographic. In the past two years, um, a lot of your refugees have come to this area. A lot of them are now starting to build their you know, life again, having Arabic-speaking brokers, Vietnamese-speaking brokers. I, I live in a, a predominantly Asian area. I love the area. And especially Fairfield has changed so much that you, know, you need to have people who can cater to these people who have been through hell you know, overseas. And, Italian-speaking brokers, a lot of this area is Italian-speaking, Macedonian, such a mix that the English-speaking demographic is a lot smaller now in this area than most other areas, so people are going to pick on you for anything. It's how you fight back that, you know, makes you who you are, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're helping those people out there fight that can't fight? Yeah, correct. And that's part of, like, why the Royal Commission has been really interesting to watch how they got brokers and banks and, and the fee-for-service debate. I refuse to charge a fee to my clients. I believe that they should be happy with the help. If they don't like it, they can go somewhere else without any, you know, I suppose, ties to me for, for any financial you know, outlay, so. Well, it probably gets yeah. you a lot of good referrals. Um, look, you get good and bad, I think, in every industry, but, you know, I, I have a lot of referrals that are through friends and family, so I do obviously respect that. So existing clients who happy with it that refer me is, is the basis of my business and I only had a website done I think about three years ago so was heavily reliant on working from home with two young kids and face and, to face yeah and clients who were happy you know giving their brother or sister or friend at work my numbers so hmm. and you give back to the community I guess yeah so um, a couple of clients of mine run fairly big charities um, one of my now very close friend and, and one of my largest clients uh, runs a massive autism charity so we're a sponsor for her charity. Um, they have a Middle Eastern um, charity night for the autistic school. Um, we do quite a fair bit. So we're sponsoring a sprint car, one of the young guys who used to be really up and coming in sprint cars. So, you know, I get my kids involved in the sprint cars. You know, we go out to these great days. You know, we invite clients out to, you know, car racing days. And I think most of my clients love it. So you get guys who, you know, buy, you know, V8 cars and things like that. We invite them out to race days and they're blown away, you know, that they go out with my husband and they have a ball, so. Fantastic. Mm. Yep. <laughs> and so failure, you, you were talking about yeah. having had in the past, what would happen if this business failed? What would you do? Um, look, you know, I think everyone's one step away from failure. I think um, the reason why I'm so heavy on my compliance and things like that, the industry I came from working in GE, um, I got to see the risk side of the book and I got to see the fraud side of the book. And I think it's really important now that, like, for me, I say no a lot, a lot of the times now, so I don't fail. 
um, I get asked all the time for you know certain things, and I say no. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. And so saying yes before caused you to fail. Um, no, too risky. Not that it not that it caused me to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried different approaches that I don't think work. Um, mm-hmm. I was called one day the people's broker, and, and I took that as a real compliment um, from from a lady that I dealt with, and she said to me, you, you know, you just explain things in a way that normal people can understand. I said, well, I'm a normal person. You know, I got into fights because I saw someone very close to me almost lose their house because of a broker doing the wrong thing. Mm. And yep. At the end of the day, it's seeing somebody almost lose their house is a really emotional thing to see. Absolutely. You it's know, their I, biggest purchase. That's right. It? it is. And, you know, having kids riff over their head, I think that's one of the main reasons why for me, making sure my clients have that help. I've had clients who have been, you know, in situations have had defaults. Um, you work with them for 12 months. They're almost in tears when you say you don't charge anything to them for helping them for 12 months. I think that being a friend to somebody and, and them having someone to talk to about their actual problems is a, a big part of my business. And my phone rings at 10 o'clock at night with my clients and I answer because I'm working. You know, my family's asleep at that time of the night. I'm working. You certainly wouldn't get that at a big bank. No, and I think that's sort of one of the reasons why my clients feel comfortable as well because they know that they can ring me on a Saturday morning if they're going to an auction. If they need me to go, I'm generally going to go with them. So... You know, I enjoy going to the auctions and I enjoy trying to pick out who the people are in there who are, you know, serious bidders or not, you know. I enjoy that. I like watching people, so. So you're competitive? Yeah, I am competitive, yeah. Yeah? But not competitive in a way that I'm, I'm willing to beat somebody. I like seeing the brokers in this industry who've been around for a long time. I like seeing the new ones who do really well. And I don't feel like I have to beat them, you know. Like I, I know the pride that I've had, the awards that I've been finalist for, for me, are huge for me, but they're not for anybody else. They're only for me and my pride, so, and, and I take things like that, so I've been nominated for some awards and, you know, for me it's a huge accomplishment for me to get there, so. And now you've focused a lot on helping women, why do you do that? I think that women who want to invest in their own do feel that kind of prejudice still that they need a man to obviously to do it. Um, I've seen women ask questions about, you know, if they're on their own, what, you know, what happens if they have a baby, if, you know, they have a home loan, you know. These are conversations that people shouldn't be, men shouldn't be asking women. Sure, sure. You know, these days women can go through life and be successful and not want to have children, that's fine. Absolutely. Um, asking them can they afford a home loan if they have kids is just ridiculous. So I think my whole mentality of helping women, car yards, for instance, I know about cars. It's something that I've loved my whole life and I know about cars. So I'm happy to take a woman in there who's not going to, you know, get upsold on some ridiculous thing just because she's a woman. I love taking my cars for servicing because they think that I don't know what an oil filter costs. For me, that's been interesting. I don't look like I should know what, you know, how to change a tyre. Sure. But I've been on the side of the road in heels changing tyres before and I've had blokes stop and go, oh, sweetheart, do you need a hand? I go, do you need a hand? <laughs> you know, they're, they're taken back by that confidence. And yep. I think women really need to have that confidence in life that they don't need their parents or somebody else to help them or, or a husband or a boyfriend. If they want to do it on their own, there are ways for them to actually get ahead on their own. And also, you know, you've met my financial planner in my office. He's a great wealth of knowledge for saying women can set up trust, men can set up trust to protect themselves and also to, to have some accomplishment for themselves, not just to, you know, I've got properties with my husband, he's got properties separate. It doesn't need to be about two people having to do everything together in life. Women can do it on their own. So I think me becoming a bit more of an advocate for women saying it's not scary to go to a car yard. It's not scary to, to ask them questions about an engine. You can do that and I will help you do it. And where, where do you think you've got that work ethic from? Because obviously to be able to be that capable, you have to do a lot of work and a lot of study and learning and yeah. life experience. Where do, where do you think it comes from? My mother, 
Um, very much so my mother. Um, my dad worked shift work for many years. Mum worked many, many hours of overtime to ensure that everything was done. Um, I said I spent a lot of time on my own as a, as a kid because of that. But I respected the fact that she was working so hard to earn more money for the family. And, and I think these days running your own business, it's hard because you do have to really stretch your hours to get everything done. People always say to me, you know, you can't do everything. Well, I'll get everything done. So if my clients need me, it's getting done. Whether it's one o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter. If it needs to be done, I get it done. So I start a bit later in the mornings now. <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, if my clients come to me and they say, oh, she bought a house, we had to get it, I need a loan, right, I get on it straight away. And I think that that pushing yourself and going, right, I have 10 things I need to do. I can't just settle at eight. I need to get the 10 done. If I'm tired, so be it. My husband's really supportive. My mum's really supportive with my kids as well. They all sort of band together so I can do the hours because they know for me that I want to ensure that my clients have what they need, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes you stand out and so different to the others. Why do you have the passion? I don't know why I have the passion. Um, I really enjoy just helping people and I think that's, I suppose, the whole basis of passion is, you know, finding something you absolutely wouldn't want to stop doing. And that for me, I said to my husband, you know, if if the GFC happened again, I don't know what I'd do. I don't actually know what other job that I would actually be happy doing. And I think that's where my passion for this comes from. I hope you enjoyed our chat and got some really great tips, both for business and for life. Don't forget to have a look at unsungbusinessheroes.com.au and check out all our videos on YouTube. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. All these stories are available in our second book, Unsung Business Heroes, which is available right now. And if you'd like to get a free notification every time there's a new Unsung Business Heroes episode, just hit the subscribe button. Unsung Business Heroes was presented by me, Charles Fairley. The executive producer was Jenny Goggin. Listener.